Welcome everybody. We are live. We are live. My name is Jason Aponte. I am Andrew Pasquini. We're working. That's it. We're working over here. That's it. Let's go Niners. Let's go Niners. Oh my goodness, we are live. Another episode, three in one week. What is this, the regular season? No, there must be a lot of panic going on in 49ers land, and uh, that's kind of the case. Uh, new episode of the Sprint Ride Option Podcast. I am Andrew Pasquini, joined as always by the beautiful, beautiful Jason Aponte. Jason, just real quick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and for everybody that is tuned in right now, make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, join the Spicy Squad, all of that, turn that notification bell on, and make sure that you are locked into us on the audio portion. It's a it's a really good day today because we have a guest, and I'll let Andrew uh, bring him in, and I'll let Andrew do the introduction, but I'm really excited because this guest is somebody who has been here before, and it almost feels like it's going to be a yearly tradition to have him on right before the draft so go for it yeah yeah he is by far our uh, most recurring guest i don't know if that's how you properly say that sentence but that's it's the sprint right option podcast grammar is not our strong suit we just talk a lot that's what we do here uh, it is jordan elliott of niners nation jordan how you doing on this lovely uh friday i guess where we're at afternoon friday evening for jason aponte I am fantastic, man. We are six days out. I'm going to be going to Vegas with that man in the top left in just a few days. So uh, the the vibe is electric at this point in time. I, I don't even want to begin to imagine what Vegas looks like for the two of you, but it's probably going to be a very, very good time for both of you. I'm very excited for both of you because you guys both have your, uh, your business to take care out there, talking draft, covering draft. And uh, Jordan, you know, we, we like to, to mess around a little bit before we, we dive into the serious topics, let people come into the live and all that fun stuff. So my opening question for you, and, and I know you're a very big sports fan. You and I talk a lot of different sports. We talk, you know, we talk baseball, we talk Premier League, we talk hockey, we, we talk go. all that fun stuff. But Jordan, you are a Bay Area sports fan, as am I. Is there a more electric feeling as a Bay Area sports fan than when the Golden State Warriors are running shop in the NBA. No, it's not even close because the Warriors unite like everybody in a, like I don't like you know the Kings have their little pocket, but it's pretty much all of Northern California unifies as one, and it's the way they do it right. Like that game two, they score seventy points in nineteen minutes. Like it's not like they're just winning basketball games. It's that they're like completely demoralizing their opponents. The only thing that comes close to it is when Kyle Shanahan gets into a groove and is in one of those just play calling sequences where he like smells blood in the water and is yep. able to just completely, again, demoralize an opponent. The Warriors do that like game after game after game. And I would just add real quick, spending the amount of time I do on Twitter, which is more than I should, yeah. it brings me so much joy to watch the Golden State Warriors making grown adults cry. Oh my God. The way they did once upon a time. So yeah, it's it's electric. I I mean I saw I saw a Denver guy like threatening violence against Stephen Curry because he's better than every player that's ever walked through the Denver Nuggets franchise, and it just really gets in their feelings. And it's there, there's nothing like it. I wish I wish Jason could feel it. I mean, when when's the last time a New York basketball team's done that, or even a New York baseball team? I, I sorry, that was mean. I don't care. Basketball doesn't matter. Like, who cares? Goodness gracious, guys. Jesus Christ. I only bet on the sport, and I just make money off of it. I don't care who is good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so, so there's there's the Warriors talk. We, we got it out of the way for Jason. Uh, Jordan, 
I don't know if you're aware, but there's a lot of panic going on with the Debo Samuel situation. I know, huge shock to you. I don't know if you've been following it. Uh, Jason and I touched on it a little bit, and we had a little bit of an update today. Nothing we, I guess maybe we knew, maybe we didn't. Uh, Pat McAfee went on the, uh, or not Pat McAfee, uh, Ian Rappaport went on the Pat McAfee show saying from his understanding, Debo Samuel basically told the 49ers, I want to be traded and don't make an offer. I don't think this is about the money. Uh, so there, there's the, the most recent update. Jordan, what, what's your vibe? What's your feel on this whole uh, Debo Samuel saga? Normally, I'd just be like, hey, this is a negotiation ploy. Uh, you know, don't make me an offer, a.k.a., you know, blow me away with an offer. You're going to really have to, you know, up those numbers to get me to come and respond. As just a gut feeling, I have no information. I haven't heard things. I'm not claiming to have sources. Just my gut feeling. Look at this. I think Debo Samuel is genuinely – um, coming from a place of principle where it, even if the money may have been the root cause of the disrespect, I don't think money is the outright solution. And I think he genuinely is at a point where he feels this relationship is damaged and genuinely doesn't want to be here. And this isn't just some, you know, uh, ploy again in negotiations. A couple weeks ago, I didn't think it was a big deal. I didn't think the Instagram scrubbing was a big deal. I didn't think a lot of the little things that may have happened leading up to this were a big deal. I was completely wrong on that because it all seems to be tied together to him just genuinely not wanting to be here. Yeah. yeah. It, it, no, unfortunately that's, I mean, I, I echo those sentiments the same time that I was telling you guys, I, I, you know, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Clearly now looking back in hindsight, when you look at how all of this has played out, all of this tied together and, and it, and it should have been a good warning for people. So for the people who, I wouldn't want to say overreacted. I, I I don't want to say that. And plus, I don't want to gatekeep a gatekeep on how people view this situation and how they feel, right? Like feel however you want to feel. I personally wasn't moved by it, but at the same time, now it all makes sense. So all of those people who were on it were on it and they weren't overreacting in any way. So, you know, I, I guess that's the best way to say it. Yeah. And, and I even said as far, you know, yesterday, you know, I don't think there's a wrong reaction to any of it. I don't think there's, there's anybody overreacting, underreacting. I just think everything at this point is, is what people's opinions are as simple as that sounds. It is what it is. And I, I came on this podcast yesterday and said, I'm at 60, 40, 60, he extends 40 trade. I probably flipped that today now. And I'm a, I'm a little more optimistic than, than mo most on this. I'm probably going 60% he's traded, 40% he's extended. I just, I guess my one hope out of this is to really find out what the root cause of this all is because it, it feels like we have about 15 different reasons, whether it be, you know, he wants to be closer to home, whether it be he doesn't like his role in the 49ers, whether it be the money situation. I don't know. I would love to find out. I don't think we ever will because it's 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 not it's not Debo Samuel's responsibility to tell us. He he doesn't need to say anything. Uh, it it just doesn't feel good. So Jordan, I guess that that's to my next point before we get into the draft stuff and and maybe this is the segue to the draft because we haven't had you on it a bit. Where are you at? If if we're putting this on a percentage scale, Jason yesterday was 50-50. I'm 60-40. He gets traded. Where are you at in terms of percentage Debo stays, percentage Debo gets traded? So I said 60-40 in a Twitter space earlier that he does get traded, but for the sake of not coming across as a poser, I'm going to go 65-35 so as to just not echo your exact sentiments. But yeah, I'm with, I, I think it's more likely than not at this point, even though it may not be... 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, JK. Going, yeah, JK continues to be the, um, the, the comment champ. Yeah, I like. I just think at this point, like, it seems like there's a, a real issue, and it's something that again, it doesn't feel like money could solve it. It just doesn't feel like it will. Uh, and I, I, I still think that the 49ers aren't forced to trade him. Like, if if it's really that bad. They can kind of play their own side of this and say, "Hey, we have three years of control over you. We can tag you. You're still on, uh, you know, the last year, last year, sorry, of your rookie deal. So it could get really ugly. But a lot of times, you see teams avoid that just for the sake of chemistry, for the sake of you know PR and everything. And especially if you're getting draft picks back in return, which is why you usually don't see things reach that point with these kind of you know back and forths or tense you know relationships between player and front office. But I will say this as somebody who's like, I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, the last couple of days I've been going crazy doing mock drafts with the 49ers having first round picks, which I haven't been able to do for the last two months. So it's been really enjoyable from a content standpoint. But at the same time, like I'm just making mock drafts on Twitter. I'm not a GM staking, you know, my job to these actual picks. And if you're John Lynch in the 49ers, how much time have you really spent deep diving on guys projected to go in the top 10, Correct. top 15? And sure, they, there's tape and there's stuff that they can get by on. But if you look at their top 30 visits, most of that was day two, you know, mid-second round, third round guys. So you also don't want to get to a point where you move that capital and you're rushing to get a deal done before the draft comes. And then the draft comes and you don't feel like you're adequately prepared the same way you would have been had you had, you know, the full run up where you're at the combine looking at these guys. And Jason and I were there. They did talk to a lot of guys at the top end of the first. But it's I would be shocked if it was the same level of, you know, deep diving that they've done on guys projected to go, you know, between 30 and 65 or whatever. Jordan, let me ask you a question. Um, Cause this kind of feels like it fits in the timeline and I, I'm, I'm interested to get your, your thoughts on it. The 49ers went to the USC pro day and Drake London was there. And apparently from what we know now, the trade request was already put in before that. Is there any way to like really correlate and say, Hey, the 49ers were doing their due diligence because the way I look at it is, Guys are just doing their due diligence on everybody, right? You want as much player information as you can while it's available to you, right? Like, you, it costs nothing to go to the pro day, right, to learn about that. But now does it seem like a little bit more of, okay, the 49ers kind of know where they're at because of the trade request, and they were doing their – they were taking their tabs on Drake London? Yeah, I think you can't rule it out. So, like, when we were at the Combine um, – I, I went and talked to a scout for a team for a little bit. And I asked him this player or the scout, sorry, was with a team that already had a player who was a franchise quarterback, young on a rookie deal, probably wasn't looking, you know, they're probably not in the market for a franchise quarterback. So I was like, Hey, like when you guys are already pretty well set at a position, how do you, do you just overlook that? Do you not divert as many resources to scouting? And he basically said, we have our area scouts in place. And even if we're not in a position to draft said player, we're trying to build the biggest database we can. And we're trying to get as much information as we can, because, hey, that player might land in the division. It might be down the road, three, four years. You're looking to make a trade. You're looking to make a free agency move. And while obviously things change from the time a player enters the league to when those points would come, you also are just giving yourself the best possible, you know, database of information on all these guys. So what Jason said is really important to remember. Like they could just be doing due diligence. It's a 45 minute flight. They get on their private jet, San Jose airport, fly down to LA for the day. Hey, who doesn't want to go hang out on a sunny Southern California day and watch a little bit of football, but the timing now definitely, we can't sit here and say, Oh, it was only due diligence. or That was the only reason they were there because 
hey, maybe they are looking at, you know, that the 49ers are kind of lacking that big bodied 50-50 ball, uh, winning at the point of attack if we're talking about high-pointing footballs and having that – like they really don't have that guy in the receiver room. And Drake London really fits the bill. So maybe they did say it, – maybe it's a combination of everything, but you're right. Like it can't be ruled out that they went because they're like, hey, maybe maybe we do have a spot where Drake London's on the board at 18 or wherever we get a pick. Like the Eagles pick at 18 and 15. Maybe they move one of those for Debo and the Niners have to make a decision. So – um, I, I think you can't rule out either, and and it probably is a little combination of both, if that makes sense. I guess uh, easily transition into our draft talk. Let's hypothetically throw it out there. Let's say Debo Samuel gets traded tomorrow. Niners are now in the top fifteen. You know, whatever, whatever the pick may be. Uh, what what are some names that the Niners could hypothetically, if it happens, look at in that area? I know we just mentioned. Uh, uh, Drake out of USC and all that fun stuff. Uh, but but give us a few other names that you've been looking at uh, in, in that top, let's say, 15-20 area, if, if that's what the Niners get. Jordan, talk to me nice. May say the name that I want to hear, bro, because it's there, right? It's right there, I think. So if they do end up in that range, I like. so this is my thing, too. I don't think if they trade Debo, they have to spend that first pick on a receiver. Like, we've heard people for two going on three years now complain that the 49ers didn't draft Tristan Wirfs when they traded to Forrest Buckner. They didn't draft Judy or CD Lamb or any of these other guys. They went and addressed defensive tackle. And those same people now are saying they have to draft a receiver with their first pick if they trade Debo. Having said that, if there's a guy on the board that they really like, that I happen to really like, let's say they get 18 and Chris Olave from Ohio State is there. Yeah, like you make that move. I have been so high on this guy for years. dude. He is a phenomenal player. And the name might throw people off and turn them off to the idea. So please hear me out before you just tune out completely. I think Olave reminds me a lot of what Pettis looked like coming out of college, being Dante Pettis. And I think Dante Pettis, the reason the Niners jumped up and made that move for him was because of the silky smooth route running ability, the ability to change direction, the ability to just have that crafty, refined skill set as a guy that can win with his movement skills. And I think Chris Olave represents a faster more more you know high floor version of what Kyle Shanahan wanted out of Dante Pettis which again I'm not talking about what they actually got from Dante Pettis I'm talking about what they wanted from Dante Pettis so to me Olave is the guy to look at there another receiver I really like is Sky Moore uh he's probably a little bit closer to the back end of the first but man this guy's release package is absolutely insane I can't remember the last time I saw a guy come out and have the release package he does Biggest hands in the entire class, reliable target, excellent movement skills. Uh, Traylon Burks is another guy. You know, I know a lot of people have compared him to Debo Samuel. There are some comparisons to be made. He's a little bit bigger, 6'3", uh, around 220, I believe. But he's somebody who could be physical, who could win vertically. So there are definitely options there. Um, a couple other names I would throw out. I did a mock this morning where they picked at 18. And I took Linderbaum, the center out of Iowa, because it looks like Alex Mack might not come back. And again, as much as I know people want uh, you know, a receiver to immediately come in and replace Debo Samuel if he's gone. If you could get a center like Tyler Linderbaum, he could be snapping the ball to Trey Lance for the next decade. And he's somebody that looks as impressive as a center as any prospect I've seen in recent years. And having that solidified, um, you know, rock at the center of your offensive line is such a big deal. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I would say Linderbaum. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off. No, you're okay. Um, and then, you know, I don't know if you guys want you want to do a separate discussion if they were to get, you know, like the two seconds from the Jets or like the Lions pick at 32 and 34. But 
there's also some guys I like there, but I don't want to take all your airtime on your show. So I don't know if you guys had some thoughts while we're still talking. Uh, I love Sky Moore. I, I actually have him ranked way higher than people have him ranked in the wide receiver. Rank. I have him four in my rankings. I have him yes, behind I, behind Wilson, Olave, and, and Williams. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's it. Like after the top three, after those three, those three feel like the surest shots. I feel like, and there are plenty of guys. I see Traylon Burks in here. I understand the comp because he's used the same way. He's not as sure as those three guys, but I've got Sky more four, bro. Like I really do, and that's how I feel about him. And I feel about him the same way. And and the thing is, is you potentially don't have to use an early pick on Scott, right? But he fits everything, and and for many of the reasons that Jordan was talking about, tough after the catch, knows knows his position inside the zone um, scheme, and 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 knows where to to sit himself when there's zone coverages and things like that. Like when I watched him, I watched a guy who. I see Kyle Shanahan like kind of rubbing his hands, looking at the TV, right? Like, again, everybody's looking for a Debo replacement. There is no Debo replacement, but there are guys that fit the same sort of mold, and Sky Moore is one of those guys. So you're not going to get the same thing that you got, but you have a guy who can do some of the things that Debo has done in the same way, and that's a pretty good security blanket for a young up-and-coming quarterback in Trey Lance. Yeah, and then a question that just randomly popped into my head, Jordan. Let's say hypothetically the uh, the Niners get, let's say, early second round pick, maybe a 34, 36 area Lions, like you just said. Uh, what what would you what would you be looking at there? So if they fall in that range, there's two guys I'm like three that I'm looking at immediately. Um, they're all edge guys. I really like Boyamoff. I think of Boyamoffe. Mm-hmm. gets paired with Chris Kosarek and gets put on the Sportnerz defensive line, he could end up being one of the best pass rushers in the entire NFL. And I think the only reason he's not going in the top 15 or 20 picks right now is because a lot of his potential is rooted in athleticism rather than elite production that he's already shown. But this guy's relative athletic score is insane. He scored a perfect 10 five years. His, uh, I think he ran a 4.56 40-yard dash which was literally the ninth fastest that a defensive end has ran since the year 1987. That's over 1,300 qualified defensive ends at the combine. If you are six foot four, 260 pounds, and you're moving like that, with that explosive get off, the ability to get off the edge, it's very easy to see a path to where the 49ers have Nick Bosa, this generational talent locked up. And then on top of it, you have another pro bowler rushing off the other edge within the next couple of seasons. That's a proven recipe for success. I really like Arnold Abiketti as well. I think he's somebody that could definitely um, use those athletic traits, become that explosive edge rusher opposite Bosa. And then David Ajabo is the other one because he has a little bit less experience, a little bit less tape to fall back on, obviously has the torn Achilles. He unfortunately the injury is, is really what it is that everybody – Yeah, like, you know, it's wishing the speediest recovery to him. But he looked like he would be like D Ford on steroids if they were to bring him in. And he looked like somebody that, again, could be that perfect fit opposite Nick Bosa – and yeah, you'd have to stomach the fact that he's probably red-shirting for a season and you wouldn't get that production right away. But again, when you're drafting guys, you can't be looking at the first year in that lens where it's, oh, what am I getting day one? There also has to be the weight of what you're getting in the long run. So I would want an edge guy. The other players I would look at in that range are definitely defensive backs. Like, uh, you know, if Lewisine is there from Georgia, the safety, I would take him probably. It would, it would be really hard. If it was like him or Boyamafe, I'd probably lean edge. But Lewisine is yeah. really good. And he could come in and immediately start for day one um, for the 49ers defense. Um, 
a couple other guys, Jalen Petrie looks pretty good. Daquan Brisker looks good. They need a safety. Like, it looks like Tart's not coming back. There's a big hole at safety. Um, you know, George Pickens is another really interesting pick because, again, he's another guy that fits that mold. We were talking about Drake London where he has the ability to win at the catch point. He has the ability to win with physicality. And to be honest with you before, like I know Jason plays Dynasty. I remember when he was like a top five Debbie pick in Dynasty yeah. his freshman year because he had such yeah. an impressive freshman year. Tore his ACL, um, didn't have a whole lot of time to really show what he would look like post-injury coming back. But, you know, that's the issue. yeah, and that's the biggest thing. But, hey, th- that's another guy where if you're – like this is my thing is if you can get like a Sky Moore or a Pickens or someone like that, then it gives you the freedom with another one of those early seconds to get a safety, to get an edge guy. But don't feel pressed to take the receiver if they're not there. Like if one of those, all those guys are gone, let's say hypothetically, they would be better off adding two potential long-term defensive starters and figuring out receiver later. Maybe Julio Jones comes in for a year or two, just throwing that out there. Him and Kyle have a good history. And also the other thing I would say too is, the 49ers are going to probably still be one of the top five rushing attacks in the NFL. They're going to want to run the ball a lot. So yes, losing Debo Samuel hurts. I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, you can just run the football. It'll offset the loss of Debo Samuel. But I don't think they're as dependent on this like explosive passing attack minus Samuel as a lot of people might think they are. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up George Pickens. Cause I have him at wide receiver five right behind Sky Moore. And the only reason that people are sleeping on him is because of the injury and he has a small sample size, but he has all of the traits to get it done. And it feels like Pickens is going to be one of those guys that we look back on the trade on the draft and say, how in the hell did he fall this far? And did you let this happen? Well, a lot of people are torn, you know, with the torn ACL and they're, they're torn with the, the small sample size, but I love Pickens, man. And I'm glad that you brought him up. And I think it speaks to more about, the middle the middle portion, right? Well, the, this range that the 49ers could find themselves in one way or another, right? Right after the first, in the in in that middle portion of the second, there are a lot of quality players and quality starters. And it depends on how the board falls. The 49ers would have their pick at whatever it is that they wanted to address. Boye Mafe showed out at the senior bowl. He was incredible, man. Like I I, I could see that immediately. Epicady, I loved him too coming out of there. But the only thing that concerns me with him is the run defense. But again, when you're talking about the edge position, D Ford wasn't the best run defender, right? And you know, remember, guys, in his first actual press conference, I have one job and it's go that way. And that's pretty much what it would be for him as well, too. So if he even improves a little bit, I think that both of those guys are plug-and-play starters, Mafe and Ebikati. But the George Pickens thing, I'm so glad that you brought him up, man, because I feel like people are just, like, losing sight of him because of the ACL injury and because of the fact that he has a small sample size. But he has all of the traits, everything that you need to succeed at this level. And I have a feeling that he's going to fall a little bit further than I would have ever thought. I honestly, so Kansas City picks 29 and 30. I think he'd be a great fit there. And if they pass up on him, I think that's exactly like you said, we're going to come back and be like, wow, like how did, you know, this team got rid of Tyree Kill and how did they, you know, because this is the thing, right? Kansas City is a team like, yeah, they lost Tyree Kill. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite saying the Niners don't need to immediately go receiver. The Chiefs kind of have to. They're dependent on that downfield passing attack. We've seen what it looks like when you take that away from them. Vic Fangio, shout out Big Fangs, you know. Um, when they when they get that that hard cover two shell that they were unable to really push the ball downfield on, it really created problems for them. So this is not even a discussion right here. Pickens over yeah, Watson. That's not even a discussion at this yeah. point. Like 49er fans have pushed themselves too far gone with Christian Watson. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't want to get back and I, I didn't want to cut you off, Jordan. Keep going. No, you're OK. And that's the thing, too. We can talk about that because like I had Watson at a mock at like 51. 
And a bunch of people were like, there's no, you don't know what you're talking about. There's no way he lands there. And I'm like, dude, there's a lot of really good receivers and really good players in the top 45, 50 picks. And yeah, he has great, he has the highest athleticism score ever for a guy over six, four. He has a better athleticism score than Calvin Johnson, who was a pretty good athlete himself, you know, not, not the crazy, he was a pretty good athlete. I think we can all agree. Um, Maybe. But it, it, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll come back to it. But with Watson, you're like so you're banking so heavily on the athleticism and him developing into a completely well-rounded player at the next level. And I like Christian Watson. I, you know, I don't want to sit here and just pat myself on the back, but last year when I was watching Trey Lance, I was like, Hey, who's this guy? Number one on North Dakota. He's making play. You know, Trey Lance is fun to watch. This guy's really good too. So I completely understand the hype. I've been on it for quite some time, but I also thought that he would be like a day two pick, day three pick. Like I didn't think right. he was going to be a guy talk about in the first round i still don't think you should be a first round pick and 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 that's the thing right and i think that's what makes the evaluation process fun and i'm sorry andrew i know that no. it's just me and jordan bouncing each yeah. other back and forth but um but with i me, like listening to you guys i love learning from you guys that's all i'm doing <laughs> i love learning but with me with watson watson has a chance to be truly special because of those traits but he also has a chance to be sammy coates and i'm sorry that i keep bringing up things like that there that's are guys elite who, name drop real quick that's an elite like that. name drop like that right yeah i mean there's guys who have plenty of physical traits and all those things that doesn't translate right away right so there's the concerns about his competition you know look i felt like he stepped up to the competition in the senior bowl and then obviously what he did in the combine just pushed him through the roof but the hype has gotten out of control now like it's almost like for 49ers fans again and i think i think we talked about it on here it's kind of silly for them to correlate this in this way. Well, look at what Joe Burrow did with Jamar Chase. No, that is nowhere near the same thing at all. And if that's what you're banking on with Watson, then you're setting yourself up for a huge disappointment. Look, Watson, I have him at nine right now. I have him at nine. And maybe maybe next week I'll flip those around and I'll start looking at things a little bit different. But I have him at nine, and I'm betting on traits. I've got plenty of guys ahead of him that I feel like are more suited to have instant success in this league. And one of them is Jalen Tolbert. That's a guy that I have ahead of him. And he went to South Alabama. So don't give me the comp competition thing, right? Because he went to South Alabama and uh, Christian Watson went to NDSU. And the competition thing is, but Jalen Tolbert showed out a little bit more at the Senior Bowl when he was pressed a little bit more. And I feel like he's a little bit more well-rounded than Watson is. If you take Watson, you might have to deal with the one or two year growth, right? Like he's not, like I think the 49er fans have, kind of talk themselves into Watson being a plug and play immediate starter impact guy. And I don't know if that's true. I have six or seven guys ahead of him that I believe that can actually do that ahead of him. So with the Watson thing, it's gotten a little out of hand at this point. Beautiful. Well, that, that was very good conversation. And I, as I said, I'm learning from you guys and I want to step into where the Niners actually are at this point. Cause we just talked about if they move up early into the second round, Right now, the Niners are sitting at 61. So, Jordan, the Niners do have a few needs that they can address. Uh, we had Javi on Monday say that he thinks they should address the safety position at 61. Uh, I could see them going interior offensive line. I could see them going cornerback. What is the first position? If the Niners stay put at 61 and they take their pick there, what do you think the Niners should address at, at the 61st pick? Uh, I would say interior offensive line. They're going to have a situation where um, – Potentially, they could have, you know, Daniel Brunskill, I think, would be a fine center, but they potentially are looking at a spot where both the guard spots are first-year starters. It looks like Aaron Banks has slotted in to play one of those guard spots. I think he'll be fine. I, I liked him last year, and until I see otherwise on the actual field, I have no reason to doubt him. But I do think you still need to make an investment in that spot. 
And I think there are some players in that range, you know, Zach Tom from Wake Forest, Dylan Parham out of uh, Memphis, that really do make a lot of sense. You know, I've seen, you know, guys like Cam Jurgens uh, mock that high. I don't know if I would take Jurgens that high. I like him. Uh, same thing with Luke Fortner. But to me, that makes the most sense where I think you're getting the most value. I will throw this out there because Jason remembers this from the, this guy from the Combine. I've toyed around with the taking a corner at 61 who may not be an immediate impact, but has the potential to be just a generational athlete. And that's Tarek Woolen out of University of Texas San Antonio. He's six foot four, 205 pounds, and he runs a 4.2640. Like that, I don't, I can't remember ever seeing a cornerback with that combination of size, height, and speed. And he's somebody where, yeah, sure, you might have growing pains in the beginning. He made the full-time switch to cornerback just three years ago, had played offense his entire life before that. But when you think about that kind of length and speed, he's somebody where, hey, he may be beat when the quarterback lets go of the football, but that ball has to travel in the air. When you have that 4-2-6 speed, you can definitely make up for maybe being beat a little bit at the line. So I've toyed around with that idea because ultimately it would be nice to see them add a guard who could – uh, contribute from day one and protect that left guard spot. You put them next to Trent Williams. It's going to make life easier on anybody making that transition. Yeah. But at the same time too, I still think within the top 100, you want to get the best possible five-year outlook from these picks. And I think a guy like Tarek Woolen legitimately has the potential to, if, if he's developed and coached properly, which is one thing the 49ers coaching staff doesn't get enough credit for. A lot of credit gets, I think Vish mentioned this, like a lot of credit gets pr- like put on the front office for these draft picks when the coaching staff does a lot of the legwork getting these guys from their college production to what they are at the NFL. So you take a guy like Tarek Wool and all of a sudden maybe you have this guy that can develop into a top flight corner, 6'4", 205, can press at the line of scrimmage and run 4'2", deep downfield receivers. Like I'd be really hard pressed to pass that up. So I would say yes. interior offensive line first and then get a freak athlete. Hey, if Christian Watson's there at 61, maybe you take a flyer on him. I wouldn't but, be mad at that. Yeah, like if we're talking practical, like floor, immediate impact, I'd say interior offensive line. But I would be really, really tempted to take the player that I that they see as a phenomenal athlete that they can coach up and turn into a star player. And that's the thing, too, is something like that, that if it turns into that. And the 49ers have actually set themselves up to be very good at cornerback this upcoming year. Obviously, the Traverius Ward signing, and there's a possibility that Jason Verrett comes back. And then what is the possibility of Emmanuel Mosley kicking inside and having those two guys outside? Now you're talking about ultimate depth because a lot of people saw the growth of uh Embry Thomas last year but Tarek Willen he is one of those take the entire field away type of guys if he's right and I I love that idea and that's something that is a little bit outside of the box it may not be what 49er fans want to hear especially if they're sticking at 61 and they've been waiting for a day and they've been waiting for Debo Samuel to that shoe to drop and whatever and that doesn't happen and they stick at 61 and then they take Tarek Willen you're not going to be happy up front, but at the same time, you also have to kind of understand where they're going with it. And when you were talking about interior O-line, there's a lot of things that the 49ers have done that could possibly come to fruition this year, right? Aaron Banks is going to move over to left guard, we think. Maybe Brunskill can play center in that way, and maybe you have a combination of more, maybe somebody else that you bring in. Uh, Treader is somebody that I've seen be thrown out there. I would love the idea of Treader joining this team because he can be that veteran safety uh, center. And that's the thing that is the most important 
for this offensive line because we saw when Weston Richburg went away that the team was kind of scrambling trying to figure out who that center is going to be and how important he is. And then you see when Alex Mack plays well how this offensive line can look. So there's many ways that they can go about this because of the draft picks that they took last year. And maybe they feel secure enough where they could take a swing on a freak athlete like Willen. As usual, Jordan's out here spitting, and uh, that's why we brought him on here. I have to say real quick, I love that you said it was out of the box because maybe I'm a little crazy. Maybe Jordan's a little nuts. Maybe there's <laughs> something about me where I'm a little cuckoo. Like, get, in, get, get in here for the real thing. Get in here for the real thing, man. Uh, so, so where the Niners have succeeded the past couple of days are those later round picks. Uh, you know, names come to mind: George Kittle, uh, Drake Greenlaw to extent, uh, Elijah Mitchell last year. Who are some later day two, day three guys that interest you? And also on the flip side, who are some names that you've seen floated around that don't excite you as much? So give me a little bit of negative with the pauses. Let's get a little negative today. Um. Man, that's tough. I, I'm a, I'm a naturally positive guy. So here, let me let me start while I stew on. Let me start with a positive yeah, one. Yeah, so start, let's get positive first. I like. Well, that. no, it's a, it's a compliment sandwich. So what you do is yes. like, so this is like when your boss brings you in, right? He does the compliment sandwich. He tells you something he likes, something you need to work on, and then he ends with yes. something that you like. Let's so do let's that. do it this way, Jordan. So there's a guy. This is probably again a day three pick, fifth, maybe even mm-hmm. sixth round. But there's a guard from Mercer named Jason Poe. And this guy is so – you're going to love this, Andrew. So he's a guard. He's had good production as a guard. Smaller school, but he looks solid. He looks like he could project and play any of the three interior offensive line positions. Might need a little bit of seasoning. Really good size. Um, you know, but NFL teams have had him working out at fullback. And he's six foot one. Six foot one, I think 305 pounds. And moves – with a nimbleness and a shiftiness that is unheard of for a player that size. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, yeah, you know, you could plug in, fill the guard spot. Could you imagine Kyle Shanahan having a 300 pound, you know, with all due respect, ballerina in a sense, nimbly moving, clearing running lanes from the backfield. Hey, use check, sit this one out, pal. Todd, come on Todd, in. Come on in. You bring in Jason Poe and you have him bowling guys out of the backfield. Because again, this isn't just some like guy where he's eating space. He gen- yeah. you could hand him the football at the goal line, and I think he would get over. So he's somebody that I really like if they wait to take a guard prospect or wait to take material. Because I'm just sitting here, and again, this is for fun. We're having fun here, but I'm also sitting here and I'm like, hey. Multiple NFL teams see the vision where they they're like, hey, this guy, if he's not getting reps right away at guard, we can genuinely put him in at fullback and have him lead blocking for our rushing attack. And I'm like, who better to take advantage of that than Kyle Shanahan? The thought of having this mauler at 300 pounds with that kind of shiftiness, I it, 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 I was up at like 3:30 in the morning doing a mock with him, and I'm sitting there, big smile on my face, typing in my computer, like thinking of all the possibilities. So he's a guy that I really like that would be like way late on day three. Uh, another guy, Jack Jones, cornerback from yep. Arizona State. He had some off-the-field troubles a few years back, uh, was originally at USC, went to Arizona State. He's quietly one of the best man coverage corners in this entire class. I'm I'm the kind of person where, hey, you know, we all make mistakes in life. As long as there's not a recurrent pattern of it, I think that it's fair to assume that people make mistakes and learn from them. As of now, I'd feel comfortable taking a flyer on him somewhere in the sixth round. Uh, he's a guy that I really like there. I'm trying really hard to think of somebody that people have like mocked a ton to the 49ers that I don't like. Um, and if you don't have one, one, that's okay. I, I, I like the, uh, let's okay. continue the positivity if you have one, but let's hear what Jason says. 
I know, I know one, Leon O'Neal. I look, okay. man. I'm not trying to like bash the guy because like his 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 enthusiasm is infectious and all and and all that's great and he's a great guy, but it's on tape. Like that's the thing, and 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 the people that I look up to when we're bouncing because you know we're in a group chat where we bounce ideas off each other and we talk about guys that we're and you know we 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 like and. Many people that I look up to and respect kind of feel the same exact way. And he's just an end of the draft guy. But I've seen people on Twitter, well, pair him with this. No, 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 no. Like, you already have one of those guys on your team. His name is Hufanga, who has trouble covering, who should be closer to the line of scrimmage, who are good in run defense and things like that. I, I just, I think a lot of people, when they start to like a guy, and you start to like the story, it's hard to separate the story from the player. And there's nothing, look, again, if I'm wrong, then whatever, like call me out on it. But that's the one that I've seen mocked many times to the 49ers with people being super excited. And I'm just like, he might be a guy that they may draft, but he might not make the roster. He might not make the 53 at this point. Like, And that's the thing too, that you have to think about is many of these later round guys. Remember, we're all hyped on Austin Watkins. Austin Watkins isn't here anymore. Right, like, like, there's plenty of guys that that are out there that that this team brings in, but they don't sign, right? So, like, it's just Leon O'Neill has been the guy that's been getting a little bit too much, um, because he's been so gracious with his time with so many 49ers content creators, and and his story is great. But you got to start looking at it objectively, as opposed to the guy who gave you time. So I'm sitting here looking at, and like, so this isn't a player that I don't like not like necessarily, but like I've seen a bunch of people talk about Pierre Strong, the running back out of South Dakota State. And I, you know, admittedly, hey, I, maybe some people really did go on deep dives and they were well aware of this guy. It feels like people really didn't start talking about him until he ran that really fast 40 time at the combine. And people see a couple highlights of a guy running really fast in a straight line and they're like, sold, like Raheem Mostert replacement. It's not that simple. And this is my thing. So I, I, the, the running backs I've been mocking, I'm looking for somebody that can come in that can be a bell cow back because I think we've finally seen Shanahan, even if it was from a place of like necessity, give a full workload to a running back. And, you know, no disrespect to Elijah Mitchell. I think Elijah Mitchell is a six round pick for a reason. I thought he was fine given where they drafted him and what he was asked to do. If you get a guy that has a little bit more explosive overall skill set, Elijah Mitchell just went for a thousand yards in 11 games, I think it was. You can legitimately get a perennial 1,500-yard rusher in this offense if you find the right guy. So my whole thing isn't that I don't like Pierre Strong. I just think that it's more than just being, like, one-dimensional with drafting a guy that looks really fast. Like, I think there are some really good – like, I like Brian Robinson a ton from Alabama. I think Brian Robinson is going to be a good running back to the next level. So people are like, oh, he's just a physical back. He's slowly like, hey, if you're getting yards, I don't care how you get them, man. I'd much rather see some consistency play to play to play than just getting this burner overall – and, you know, and uh, Ron in the chat just said Samir White from Georgia. I mocked him in a recent draft I did. He's 6'1", 205, and runs in the 4'4s. He is somebody who I think definitely didn't get enough, uh, you know, credit because of how good that Georgia team was. James Cook was obviously really good. But I just mocked Zamir White. I would 10 out of 10 times rather have Zamir White than Pierre Strong because I think Zamir White could be that every down back down the road. And as much as I love Jeff Wilson, he's one of my favorite players to watch play football in the 49ers. He's also, you know, either getting to a point where his, you know, his legs may not be the same as they were when he first came in, or if they are, he's going to get paid by somebody else eventually. Uh, Trey Sermon, 
what's Trey Sermon doing? We don't know. He hasn't been on the field. We don't know what to expect from him. And Elijah Mitchell has kind of been, uh, you know, I don't say ran into the ground, but I don't think that it's fair to Elijah Mitchell to expect him to carry the football 20 times a game the way he did last year. So I would just say that, like, from a negativity standpoint, um, it's not necessarily that I don't like Pierre Strong. It's just that my priorities with what they should do at the running back position seem to be a little different from what I'm seeing from a lot of 49ers mock drafts and fan consensus. And Ty Chandler is somebody that is somebody who's been mocked a bunch because he's fast, right, from North Carolina. And then, you know, who could who could look away from him after Javante Williams and Michael Carter come out from North Carolina, right? So that that is kind of there, too. I like Ty Chandler, too. I'll give you a guy that I feel like nobody's really talking about that it really is something that maybe the 49ers don't need to look at, but, I mean, or not it necessarily need to address. And I know you talked about Tariq Willen, but – I'm going to talk about Joshua Williams, man. And Joshua Williams is somebody who went to Fayetteville uh, State, which is something that is not going to jump off the board, anything like that. He's a big guy. I mean, he six foot three, 197, and he is learning himself in the position. Again, he's not going to cost you a high pick. Um, I just think that there's a little bit of untapped potential when it comes to Joshua Williams that could be uh a guy that everybody's gonna look back and say what the hell were you thinking at this point because he went to Fayetteville State so Joshua Williams at corner is one of the guys that I'm actually looking at and I'm actually a little bit higher on than other people are but uh I I think that he's one of those guys that's kind of slept on and he can be had a little bit later on beautiful there's a lot of great information here guys uh Jordan we know you're going to the draft uh you're, you're gonna be in Vegas what 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 what's your plans? What, what where are you planning to hit up? What are, what are you planning to do during the draft? All that fun stuff. What what are your plans in Vegas? He's planning to steal oh. a tiger from Mike Tyson. He's planning to. Hey, that that's very dangerous to do right now. He's punching oh, I, I mean, people I, on airplanes now. Can can I ask you guys real quick, like before we get into this, what goes through someone's mind and says, "I want to antagonize Mike Tyson in any way"? I'll tell you this: this 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 video that is out there about the guy doing whatever with Mike Tyson. If I found myself sitting behind Mike Tyson, I would ask for my seat to be changed. Because if I fall asleep, I don't want my snoring to disturb Mike Tyson. That's how much I would not say anything to Mike Tyson. I'm just kidding. Or whatever. Go for it, Jordan. My bad. Yeah, I just think that, you know, um, as of now, I can't commit to anything because I am trying to tell myself I'm going to be there for work more than anything. Yeah, work. Uh, I will be. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, not- I, I'm in terms of asking what's your plans for the work. Where, what, what oh, are you yeah, trying so to do? All that. Be, I'm not know, asking. I'm not asking you to give oh, out okay, exactly yeah. where you're going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be pretty hard to miss. I'll be with this guy, and he's seven foot three, so it'll be really hard to miss. No, but- no, and and the best part about being with Jordan, I will promise you this. I promise you this. The best part about being with Jordan is that Jordan is not like me. You know what I'm not like him, and you know what he does work. And if I see Jordan working, then he's going to save me from doing stupid things, right? But if Jordan is going to Vegas and he's tempted, now we're talking about a whole different thing now. And I'm, I'm more afraid of that than anything. Yeah. So I, I will be there. We'll be there doing that. We'll be there during, like during the first round of the draft, um, just being close by and having the access uh, will be nice. Probably be doing, um, so maybe some lives or some stuff when we're in the media room working on articles and stuff. And, hey, the 49ers might have a first-round pick that we're all of a sudden we're like, hey, day one's a little bit more important. I we got to go live now. Yeah, we got to go live during during the entire first round now because who knows what's going to happen. 
Yeah, I was originally going out there with a plan to just, you know, focus more on like national coverage for SB Nation than like 49ers specific stuff. That plan might change. Like if the 49ers have a first round pick, all of a sudden my whole itinerary is a little different. But we're going to have some fun. We're going to be goofing out there. You know, at the same time, as much as we're there to work, there's, uh, you know, enough hours in the day to do both. So, you know, if you're, if you're out there, definitely would be cool to see anybody who happens to be there. Um, I may or may not be at a couple sports books who, not, you know, again, I can't. I will be. Can't get into that, but you know I've been known to uh, I've been known to toss some cheddar around at the sports book. So we'll, hey, uh, look we'll the sports the sports book apps here in Jersey paid for my flight to go out there. So you best believe I'll be hitting that up while I'm out there as well too. It's like you've made the playoffs almost. You 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 won the regular season in Jersey. You're working you're working your way to Vegas for the playoffs. Uh, Jordan, tell tell the people where you could find them on social, where 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 they could find all your work. Uh, unless Jason has another question draft related, I got my questions off. I don't know if Jason had his. Um, Jordan, uh, people are a little bit upset about me having Christian Watson at nine, but that's what I think makes this evaluation process fun. Are you willing to bet on traits? And look, I'll go through it one more time, real quick, because you know what's funny. 49er fans say, well, if you don't like the Debo Samuel stuff, then create other content. You create other content that has nothing to do with Debo Samuel, and nobody watches it. Because I dropped my top 10 wide receivers, and nobody came for me in any way. That's how I know nobody watched. So 10, Wilson, Williams, Olave, Sky Moore, George Pickens, uh, Traylon Burks, Drake uh, Drake London, Jalen Tober, Christian Watson, Alec Pierce. That's my 10. That's my 10 right there. And Alec Pierce, his... Hype is still getting out of control right now at this point. I feel like it's too high. But I've got Watson not. And that's just more about what I've seen and the small sample size and what you're betting on, right? Like with Pickens, I'm betting on Pickens, even he he has a small sample size. He went to Georgia, and it's all there on film for him to dominate. That's that's the part that's got me a little, like, leery about Watson. So, Yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. And this is my whole thing, too. And, like – realistically like what happened where 49ers fans just fell in love with this guy. Like they were like, Oh, he's, he's tall and fast. And he played with Trey Lance. Like that's not like, Hey, hey if, if it was, you know, uh, it, this isn't like coaching hiring, right? Like, Hey, if you're in the same elevator as Sean McVay, once upon a time, you're going to be hired as a head coach. Maybe that works in the coaching ranks. Cause that seems like how the most recent hires have gone, you know, like just having close proximity to somebody else matters. It does not matter at all when we're talking about evaluating players. And again, the whole like Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow thing. Joe Burrow is the number one overall pick, most prolific college quarterback season of all time. Jamar Chase looks like a generational wide receiver in his first year. Like, I don't think it's a good business model to go around trying to replicate that because unless you have those generational talents, like you're not going to have that same level of success. So I don't dislike Christian Watson. I think there's a lot to like, but at the same time too, like, so if the 49ers keep Debo Samuel, I really don't think wide receiver is that big of a need right now. Again, like they're going to want to run the football a ton. I don't think it's a huge need. And if they move off of Debo Samuel, the same people complaining that they need to get a guy who immediately can come in. The wide receiver room is too bare. Go get Christian Watson. Well, guess what? Christian Watson might come in and need to adjust. We saw uh, even Debo right away needed a little bit of time to adjust. Brandon Ayuk really didn't get thrown out there a ton before there was a necessity for it. Dante Pettis is another, like all, all these guys that were rookies didn't get that heavy workload right off the bat. Kyle Shanahan has made it very clear 
that he expects a certain level of performance from his receiver group, and he's not going to throw rookies out there just based on you know sinking significant draft capital into them. So I just think it's wild that there's this thing where it's like, well, if they trade Debo, they have to get Christian Watson so they have a good receiver right away. And I'm like, hey, nobody knows if he'll be a good receiver right away. Like, we don't know with any of them. But, like, another name I would throw out there really quick before we transition, 49ers met with Jahan Dotson at Penn State. He's another guy who has a really, really strong – uh, release package, good movement skills, reliable. Hands. I might move him. I might move him into my ten now. Not, not I would, yeah, not not too, you know, not too, you know, imposing physically, but wins consistently. And my biggest thing, like, there's plenty of big guys in the NFL, and there's plenty of fast guys in the NFL. The way that, the, to me, the thing that translates the most for receivers at the next level is movement skills and release package, and all, you know, having good hands helps too. The fact, you know, not dropping the football is obviously important. John Dotson's a guy where his skills to me translate because I think he's like 5'11, like 185, if I'm not mistaken. Hey, I'm not worried about that. Antonio Brown is 5'10 and a half, 5'11. He's one of the best. How did he win? Yeah. If you have that movement set, that, that movement skills, that package, that stuff's going to translate. So I, you know, um, definitely would keep that as a name to look out for if they are able or not able. If, and I don't say they're able, they shouldn't trade Debo Samuel. If they get forced to move Debo Samuel, and they're able to get back picks in that late first, early second, Jahan Dotson's a name I would definitely keep an eye out for. And that's what's funny about it is I have uh, – there are three guys that I will take – and this isn't even a hot take. This seems like the safe answer. The, the three guys that I know for a fact that will come into this league and immediately be ballers, Olave, Williams, and Wilson. After that, any feeling that I have of guys – I have Sky Moore for all of those guys, it's more me projecting that. For me, there are no short bets. And if you're moving Debo Samuel, you need to replace that with immediate production. And I feel like the only immediate production that you could find at wide receiver or guys that will jump in immediately and and not have any learning curve because they're so physically gifted. And and it depends on where they fall too. scheme matters and and situation matters are those three. After that, there's there's four through 10 and there's all those other guys that there could possibly be a learning curve of a year. So when you tell me you're moving Debo Samuel and you're going to get Christian Watson or even Sky Moore or George Pickens or Drake London, there's going to be time, I, I think, for those guys. And they're going to have to acclimate themselves. Look, Debo Samuel, like, like Jordan alluded to, Debo Samuel didn't pick up until the end of the year. He wasn't injured. He wasn't injured. Like for all the injury stuff, like everybody's worried about the injury stuff from college. He wasn't injured in 2019. He just didn't pick up as fast as people would have liked. But when he did come on, you saw that ability. So for me, if you're moving on um, from Debo Samuel, God forbid, it has to be if you're looking for immediate production from one of those three guys that I named after that, you're kind of just hoping that those guys turn into that, whether that's the first year, the second year, the third year. And can this receiver room led by Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, and Ray Ray McLeod, can that automatically make you feel good i don't feel good about that i i I love brandon Ayuk. i think he has all the ability to be wide receiver one but are you ready to roll with that and just say we're good because george kittle's there no i I, like you need more and i think you know the 49ers have seen travis benjamin be run out there that's where you're headed if you don't net yourself a guy who can immediately uh, uh you know impact the game I will say this. I would be more willing to take a flyer on Christian Watson wherever he goes than I would Drake London. I, you know, 
I, I personally don't see where this like this where he's getting talked about as like a top 15 pick. His top SB scares the hell out of me. Yeah, I don't think that it's necessarily you know, like I, I thought that he looked good at times. And again, I'm a Cal Bears fan, dude. I'm not gonna just dump on the Pac 12 for no reason. But watching him separate from guys in the Pac 12 versus what he would have done maybe in the SEC or Big Ten or a, a conference with a little bit better athletes. I think is something to keep in mind here. And he doesn't need to be a burner downfield. He's a guy that scares me where he might not be able to separate at the next level. And he gets compared to Mike Evans. Dude, Mike Evans, literally, we didn't talk about this enough. Stop Johnny it. Manziel got hailed as one of like the best college football players of all time. If you go Stop back it. and you watch, it's literally Mike Evans bailing this guy out, throwing up 50-50 balls over and over and over again. It's disrespectful to Mike Evans to compare it to It sure is. So. And, and a guy of like Mike Evans who are, who is doing things right now in the league that no one has ever done. It's disrespectful when people say Drake London is Mike Evans 2.0. It's so disrespectful. I agree 100% with you, Jordan, on that. Beautiful. Great. As I say, great. I can listen to these two talk all day. Uh, it's a Friday night, though, so we'll, we're going we're gonna to get out of here. Jordan, uh, as, I, as I alluded earlier, where, where can the people find you on social? Where, where, where can they man. find all your articles? All that fun stuff. Plug the YouTube channel. Plug yeah, it you all, can, bro. You can find me on, uh, you know, Niners Nation. I'm doing a. T- I'm trying to do as many mock drafts as possible. I've done like three or so in the last couple of days, trying to explore any of the trades that might be there. Don't encourage this buffoonery. This guy's wearing an Arizona Coyote. <laughs> Don't encourage this. Um, I, uh, it is a cool hat though. I will say that it is it's a great cool. logo. It's the only. I, I don't watch hockey. I watch the Sharks. I don't. I just like the logo. You can find me at Niners Nation. I'm doing a bunch of mocks there. Um, I'm sure I'll have something that you uh, you might disagree with. And the cool thing about Niners Nation is if you have an account with SB Nation, you can leave comments and tell me how much you think my stuff sucks. I'll go read it. We'll chat. It's always a good time. Um, I do have a YouTube channel as well. I have been slacking. I've done a video on there in like two weeks. So I'm trying to be better about doing it. I've just been really busy getting ready for the draft, working on my written stuff. So I'll try to do more. Um, you know, I've, I've had one half of this fantastic pod on Andrew Pasquini was a part of the inaugural episode. I do need to get Jason. So maybe sometime we're together in Vegas, we can make that happen. But, um, yeah, you can find, you know, I have a YouTube, I think it's, uh, it's Jordan Elliott sports. I'd see it's been so it's been ages. I haven't even been on there. I can't remember the name. So I'll try to be better about doing that too. Um, but yeah, Niners Nation is mainly where you can find my stuff. And there's a lot of really good uh, work that gets done there. If you're not already familiar with Niners Nation, uh, they've been around for a long time doing great 49ers content. It's a pleasure to be writing for them. And if you're looking for hypothetical mock draft trades that probably won't happen but could happen in the next four days, I'm your guy. Come by and we'll uh, we'll have some fun. Beautiful. So I think, Jordan, as always, we appreciate it. You are literally always invited. You just tell us when you want to be on and we will have a third box open for you to jump in. Uh, that'll do it for this episode. I was going to say this week, but we've done three episodes this week. I mean, I guess technically this week as well. I believe we will be back Monday, Jason. This is me planning our podcast live as I like to do. Uh, we'll be back Monday, I believe with, uh, John Lynch's comments. I believe he's going to talk to Matt Mayoko on Monday. So we'll, we'll likely have a podcast talking about words that were said as we like to do. Uh, Jason, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, this is uh, this is going to be an amazing week. Obviously, now there's a lot of intrigue going into day one. 49er fans thought that they were going to be sitting there watching other people open up their Christmas gifts. Well, you know what? Maybe you might be getting a new Christmas gift while trying to deal with something else. So day one is going to be a lot more fun. Um, I'm actually flying out to Cali. It's done Monday. So Monday may not be the day that we're doing any streams, but maybe is the day that, you know, 
Wednesday, Thursday, those sort of days, like maybe during the draft while we're in the media room. So look out for all of that. Just make sure that you're tapped into the channel, like this video, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell. Make sure that you are subscribed on Spotify, Apple, anywhere that you can get your podcast to the Sprint Right Option podcast. Andrew Pasquini is the best co-host in the world, and no one is talking about that. If there's talking about who is the gem in this draft, it's been Andrew, and you guys have been sleeping on Third round. Can I before Andrew Rocks, can I know you guys go to Jason's like, Can I say one thing real quick? Because Richard has me cracking up in the comments. I am not Big Mar, and anybody who knows Niners Nation knows Big Mar. I, I cannot claim credit for being Big Mar, but that's so funny. I thought that was hilarious. One Is other, that a comment there? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, dude, the same people comment on like it's a very, very fantastic like reader base that like you see the same people every day. And I can't thank them enough for anybody who might be in that group that reads the Niners Nation stuff, especially my work. I appreciate it. I try to go back and respond to as much stuff as possible in the comments just to express my gratitude. But Big Mar is definitely in it. He's been there long before myself, so I thought that was funny. One other thing, too, Andrew, I don't know if you know, you'd be down, but it's not a sprint right option thing, but we might be able to work out a Western Conference Finals preview. I don't know. Looks like the Dubs, number four, is on the way. So just throwing that out there. Dude, I, they're, 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 they're going 4-4-4-4. Four, 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 four. That's just what it is. They're sweeping their way through. It's gonna happen. I'm so bet the Warriors. I, so bet the Warriors money line on every single game. Is every what you're single game. I'm Got great it. at gambling advice. This I love easy. it. I uh, had a friend in, in the early stages of the dynasty, 2015, 2016. This guy was on. This guy should have been sponsored by Boveda, and he had a oh. saying, and it literally was just "see Warriors, bet Warriors." And he was up a an insane amount of units. Literally, just whatever the spread was on a given night, betting the Warriors and taking them minus eight, minus 10, whatever they were during that run, it's incredible how often they covered. And literally, Sea Warriors, Bet Warriors paid for vacations, cars. This probably was paying his rent. So I'm hoping we can revive the saying, Sea Warriors, Bet Warriors. But don't come back hey, to me if they lose. Help, help, pay, help pay for this young man to, to go to Vegas, man. I woke up and I looked at my DraftKings balance and I was like, oh, wait, what? I hit on that parlay? Wow. Thank you, Warriors. So, yeah. There it is. So there's your NBA advice and just uh, just to tie the bow on it to get Jason to really zone out. Wolverhampton Wanderers got Burnley tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Pacific Coast hey, who's, time. Who's winning, the, who's winning the Premier League, Andrew? Are you a Liverpool guy or Man City uh, guy? Man, I'm a, I'm a big Liverpool guy. I'm a big Mo Salah. Uh, I, I think Man City's going to get it, uh, but I, I, I think it'd be pretty cool to see Liverpool pull it who, out. And, who wins uh, the Champions League? Because I think they're going to play in the final, those two teams. That's going to be – I oh, think it's Liverpool that's... right now. Yeah, I, I'm I'm high on on Mo Salah. I, I think I, I, I'm I'm showing how well I know Premier League outside of Wolves. I'm just repeating the same name over and over again. Uh, I'm I'm high on Liverpool. I'm higher than than uh, a lot of people are on Liverpool. So Jason Aponte, as always. Let's go Niners and are uh, are people completely tuned out of like the last like three minutes of this podcast? Hey, I know I know Paul Madison's still here somewhere. He he's listening. We're we're talking. Don't you see there he is? Don't even joke. We're talking about Liverpool. We're winning, talking about the, the greatest sports league in the world, Jason. The Barclays is it still Barclays Premier League? Right? I believe. No, I don't think it is. Barclays I, is I right now. You know what the Premier EPL, League is? English Premier League, EPL. I'm sticking to the basics. Let's EPL. let's go Niners, and we're out of here. Shout out to everybody that joined. Uh, hey, man, Bayern Munich's out of the Champions League, too. It's wide open. Is this I'm cutting you off. <laughs>